Welcome, everybody, to the Lockdown Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Pete Zayas. Pete, we are on the verge of the first Lakers second-round series since 2012. Yeah, man. Feels good. Holy crap. Feels really good. It's, I forgot how much fun playoff basketball is. And it's mm-hmm. so different, right? Just zeroing in on one team. So much yeah. fun. Yeah, it, it, actually, it actually feels like a bit like we're kind of participants. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah, like man. This is, yeah. Like in the regular season, you like you kind of like go through the motions and, all right, who do the Lakers play tonight? All right, it's another Tuesday. They're in Milwaukee, da, 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 you know. Um, but for playoff basketball, even like, even if it isn't just you and me, I'm talking about like fans feel like participants in this. You feel sure, like sure. I got to watch the other series because the Lakers might be matched up against that other team there. And mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. makes for, it makes for, yeah, you're right. It's, it, it's, I'm happy to have playoff basketball back and, and feel like a participant. Speaking of participants, uh, I cheated a little bit today. It's been a long time since Pete and I uh, took questions together. Usually the ma- the mailbags are on Monday episodes, which I record on Sundays, which will uh, which which usually means Pete isn't on that show. Uh, but seeing as it's been a while and we still have another day until the Lakers really kick things off here, uh, I went to Twitter and asked you guys for questions. And holy crap! Pete, is yeah, this lots like, of them. Is this what your mentions are like always like? <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting experience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and dive on in though. Uh, first question comes from Dan Bailey. Uh, hey, are, Dan, good guy. Yeah, he is. Are there uh, certain teams that play in such a style where it's important to try to adapt to what they do, or is it always about sticking to your principles and making them play your game? As a coach, how would you balance? That's the old yeah, that, John Wooden thing, right? Yeah, that's such a great question, right? Like, uh, are you locked in this jail cell with me, or am I locked in this jail cell with you, right? Like, right. You, forced to to match up with you man i i Um, I know we've been potting for a long time but you call this a jail cell amen you know some (laughs) sometimes be looking at the clock uh now man uh so it i i think you're always your first punch is always to get them to match up with you to get them to adjust to you i think having the versatility to mask weaknesses that you might have or, or to be able to play their style when you need to is really important. And mm-hmm. that's a key component of this series on a zoomed out basis. I think the Lakers can put lineups on the floor to match up with Houston to play the same style that they want to play. Yeah. They can also put lineups that are very different than Houston's that Houston can force us to, out of what we do, but they can't like, we can, we can adjust, we can to, adjust them to them. If we they need can't to. adjust to us. They can't adjust to us. They are what they are, mm-hmm. and they can't suddenly become bigger, faster, and stronger. And that just like that, that physical dominance, that athleticism is such an integral part of this team. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, the the athletes on this team. Those are like number one overall draft picks. All of whom came into the league as holy crap, you get a load of that guy type guys, right? (laughs) And like some guys, like Zion's one of those guys, right? Mm -hmm. And Zion's, and so having three of them in your front court, now does that necessarily mean that this is a Dwight series? I don't know. There's some questions about, uh, you know, Dwight's ability to defend the perimeter, but I am always toward, like I want us to be very assertive in how we attack Houston. Mm-hmm. I want us to really force our style of play on them and force them to adjust to it, make them run with us, make them jump with us, make them bang with us, right? All of the 
areas in which we have a physical advantage before I'm adjusting to Houston and their style of play. I'm making them do all of those things, try to have them play our style of play because they can't do it. So the more that we are able to assert our style of play on the series, the better shape will be. Yeah. I'm going to go in a more kind of generalized direction. I think what you said is absolutely on point for, for this series, right? The, 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 the Rockets don't have that counterpunch that the Lakers do. The, the, the Rockets basically have their 98-mile-an-hour cutter, and you either hit it or you don't. And the Lakers, though, you know, they, they have the cutter, but they also have, like, the 102-mile-an-hour fastball, you know, that mm-hmm. is just dominating. Uh, so in, in that respect, yeah, if the Lakers can continue to play big, this series is a short one. Um, and then the other thing that, that, as you were talking really quick before I make the point to actually answer the question, I was watching uh, OKC play against Houston, and I, I found myself really frustrated with Steven Adams uh, because that's the kind of series that, like, he has to win for OKC, basically, you know. And there were some things mm-hmm. that he did do that, you know, helped the team, but I thought, like, offensively, he was a, a major hindrance. And mm-hmm. And I think his struggles on offense was just that, like, he's huge, but he's, all, he's not very mobile. Right. He's, like, he's a really hulking, you know, kind of mm-hmm. caveman-ish player. And he's, not, and he's not, like, a vertical threat, right? Like, if you yeah. saw the replay of the last play of the game, like, yeah. it's just, like, dive to the front of the rim. Like, right. you've got 1.1 seconds left. That's one of your best chances, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, oh, get the I'm way bigger than you bucket, right? And yeah. instead they pass it to him by on the three-point line. I was just facepalm watching that but yeah he doesn't have right like he cut to the basketball whereas like if he just if he just seals and puts his hand out there that's a bucket absolutely both or or a foul right the the first one oh the the dork the the dork one yep yeah yep um but so i was i was thinking that too and uh and and to me the difference between adams and the lakers bigs is that they are mobile like dwight absolutely dwight can you know, and kind of squeeze through the cracks and then get vertical. JaVale mm-hmm. can kind of squeeze through the cracks and then get vertical. Adams can't squeeze through the cracks and then also cannot <laughs> get vertical. Right. I love that phrase, squeeze through the cracks, because that's such a an apt description of how our, late, our bigs need to attack Houston's defense, right? They are – the whole point of – what they're trying to do is to not let their team, the other team get to the rim because mm-hmm. they're at a real disadvantage there because of their personnel. So the, their rim protection is not letting you get to the rim. And if yeah. you do, you know, hopefully Robert Covington comes to, to block the shot, but there's, they just don't have that. And so the Lakers, in order to, to kind of puncture that outer force field that they're trying to put mm-hmm. on, a, on an offense is you've got to find those little cracks, those little places where they make a mistake, where they don't beat you to the spot, because that's how they do it, right? Is by being quicker than you, by beating you to the spot. So all of a sudden you can't get all the way to the rim without, they're going to try to draw a ton of charges on us. Mm -hmm. Offensive fouls, when Dwight does his thing on the offensive boards, they're going to be flying all over the place, right? (laughs) Acting Because they can't hang with them, right? They Mm -hmm. can't hang with actually doing it. And that whole mentality that pervaded the last two minutes of everybody just trying to sell contact, boy, we are going to see a ton of that in this yeah. series. And so getting through those cracks that you're talking about is a perfect description of how our bigs need to attack. And then to actually answer the question, like for me as a coach, my, my thing was always like, I'll, I'll adjust, but 
only so that so long as it it doesn't stray too far from my identity you know like mm-hmm. it, it's basically if if i have a good team that's a great point mm-hmm. if i have a good team then i want to remain the the good team i, I want to stick by the guns that got me there in the first place uh, but i also can't be so you know, dogmatic in my, in, in, in what I believe got my team to that spot. If there's a, if there's a way for me to, to adjust my approach here and my really good team can be, you know, a different good team that is better suited to beat the team in front of me, then, then that's the goal. There's a version of this Lakers team that's a, a too big lineup. And there's a version with Anthony Davis at the five, right? right. And that, that does, it's close enough to our identity where if we extend more minutes for AD at the five, that's a perfectly like that's right, within exactly. who we are, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go. Uh, one more question here uh, before we throw it to the break. Damon asks, uh, "How do you expect the Lakers to keep their two big lineup out there, and who is the one role player on the late on the Rockets you fear the most?" So we're kind of staying. We're 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 on the same kind of path here as we were just talking about a second ago. Uh, I was thinking about this too, but I'm interested in, 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 in where you're at. So Cran just had a great video on this. I actually disagreed with his uh, conclusion, but mm-hmm. it was phenomenal on, he actually is advocating for the two big lineup approach. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is the way that Houston, you have to look at Houston's setup and he gets into this great video. He gets into this on, you know, Houston's going five out. So they've got all five of their guys behind the three point line. Mm-hmm. And if we're going small, for example, with Anthony Davis, they're going to put their whoever AD is guarding in mm-hmm. the strong side corner. Whatever side of the court hardens on, AD is going to be on that side in the corner. And so right. it gives AD the choice of either staying home and now we don't have that much rim protection behind him, or he helps and it's the easiest pass to make and it's the like highest percentage three, a strong side corner three. That's a really dangerous shot. Now, a couple of things. AD has, which is why he's the best defensive player in the game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. AD has the ability to be two places, if not two places, one and a half places at once, right? Mm-hmm. He can help and still end up with a quality closeout in a way that really nobody else in the league can do. So that's one, you know, a- adjustment to that. If we've got the two bigs out on the floor, Cran uh, just accurately pointed this out as well, is that... Uh, we want one of those bigs on the weak side, right? So having two on the floor means that your weak side help is, is that's a much better place for a rim protector to be. Mm-hmm. And that really dissuades Harden from driving to the basket. Now, my, my thought with that is I still want to chase, and this is a philosophical disagreement. He may very well be right. But my inclination is in the spirit of doing what you do well, Right. Mm-hmm. So he properly pointed out all of the, you know, he's Harden's been more effective at driving to the basket and, and it leads to their drive and kick game. They mm-hmm. generate more points on that. He hasn't shot the ball particularly well. Now this isn't like a, you have to do either or we can mix yeah. this up. Right. Between I, I, I think the, the, the big thing is that you have to mix it up. Absolutely. But I, I think a big part of that should be limiting Harden's three, because what we're great at is we saw this in the, in the Portland series is putting, pressure at the point of attack being very aggressive on the perimeter and funneling into our bigs 
Then on that drive and kick, we get into rotation. Mm -hmm. And we're great at rotating and closing out because we're fast. We've got a lot of guys who really take pride in it and we're big. And so the, what I think happens, it, I think the, the difference is if we're really locked in, I would rather have, so say we funnel Harden into the paint. JaVale rotates over, mm -hmm. contests the shot, contests, you know, around the rim. So Harden's going to kick it out to somebody. We're going to rotate to that first guy. We're going to be able to do that. We're probably going to rotate to that second guy as well. Mm -hmm. The third guy, we can even chase off of the line. And that's, that is the outcome that I want to pursue in this series. More than yeah. James Harden's step back threes, because you can get burned with that. I want Ben McLemore, Jeff Green, Danwell yeah, House. Yeah. I want all those dudes to be chased off of the three-point line and having to make them make drive and kick decisions against all of our length. And I think we can do that in doing what we do well. And it's why, while the numbers show that that has been successful to just let Harden shoot his, his shots, I think that like they weren't playing us yeah. when they yielded those numbers, right? And in, in our games against them, it's not the playoff version of our of our defensive rotations it's and, and all that there's also issues on the on the offensive end as well i've been rambling for a moment so i'll, I'll leave that be but just defensively i like i i i want us to do what we do well first mm -hmm. and then adjust the blend between letting harden take step backs and dissuading him from driving adjust that but i, I want to see us in rotation pressuring the ball being who we are defensively first and then adjust from there Let's take a, a quick second and I'm going to give my thoughts on the uh, question as well. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. You, usually we brush it off or blame ourselves or say things like I lost my mojo or avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry honey I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman it's easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication it's simple, safe and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and again, discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today and connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. thing that that i was really impressed with dort as in his effort against harden was the way that he was challenging the shot like this is one of the things that i've always found really interesting as a shooter like i wasn't a very good defensive player but i was a pretty good shooter so it's always kind of interesting to see the approaches that good defenders take to bother people in shooting uh the example that always kind of comes to mind was battier sticking his hand sure. in Kobe's face. Because he knew he, could, he couldn't get up that he high, get right? Up like, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So 
work with what you got. Right. And, and, and actually this was something that I thought Dort did really well was he was doing a really good job of jumping past Harden's shooting shoulder. So he's doing mm-hmm. a really good job at jump, like launching himself, not at Harden, because if you launch yourself at Harden, he's going to fall over and he's shooting three uh, free throws, mm-hmm. but launching yourself past Harden's shooting shoulder so, and waving really hard at the ball uh, just to get Harden thinking that you're there. And I think while, you know, Caruso and KCP and uh, even Danny Green aren't the kinds of athletes that Dort is, he's, he's an extraordinary athlete, especially, you know, physically speaking uh, with, with his physicality. Uh, I, I do think they're capable of jumping at that that left shoulder and going past it. And and the other reason I'm really interested in them doing that too is on those plays that Harden just tries to fall over, you have a step. And the Lakers are going to be able to uh, – they're going to be able to rebound pretty well. And that's yeah. what you're – like they used to do this to Kobe all the time. It used to bother me so much where, mm-hmm. where Kobe would go up for a shot and it's not that Kobe would fall. It was that he would – stand there with his hand up and his follow through and like, you know, try to put the body English on it. Sure. To try to see it through the basket. Um, and then as he was doing that, you would see the Rajah Bells and the Shane Battiers and, and so on and so forth leak out and, and get a couple easy buckets over the course of the game. And sure. on those plays where Harden falls, this is where I want, you know, Caruso or Kuzma or green or KCP to leak out. Cause sure. you know, whether it's Dwight, whether it's JaVale, where it's especially LeBron, they get that rebound, and that should be, you know, two or three easy buckets per game. This is actually – I hadn't thought of this until you mentioned that. Our long rebounding hasn't been great this season mm-hmm. on the defensive boards. We're going to need to clean that up in this mm-hmm. series because of how many threes they shoot. Uh, yeah. We're really great at securing boards around the rim, around the basket, but boards that bounce out to 10-plus feet away from – and of which a lot of threes do that, right? Yeah. We're, we need better perimeter rebounding in this series than we have in previous games. But yeah, yeah. no, that Dort, Dort did a fantastic job on, on Harden. And those are things like we don't have a defender like Dort because he's no. athletic and, and big, but those types of things, right. Staying disciplined in your closeouts in how you look to bother a player. Um, this is part of the reason why I think Harden has a little bit more difficulty in the postseason is the players are, are, studying him and yeah. his tendency and his way of kind of gaming the rules right mm-hmm. and you come up with solutions like all right so what's the best way to bother him while really minimizing my chances of him drawing a whistle on this play and yep. what you described dort doing is a great example of that mm-hmm. and i i think you'll see that from our type of guys even if we don't have that same type of defender yeah i, I think the guy i'm really looking for that the most from is probably kuzma because he has the length to be able to get out there. And, and again, it's not, it's not about bothering. You aren't going to like, you aren't really going to affect the shot all that much. It's just that you're in his sight line. Like the, the thing that we are, we were always taught growing up was if the, if the shooter can see you, he is now like 25% less likely to make the shot. And, mm-hmm. and that's basically what I'd be asking of, of the shooters. And then, you know, regarding um, because this is a series, I think, so what you're talking about initially, where it's like, uh, you know, don't get don't get bitten by the step back game. I think early in the series that's really key, and then later in the series as his legs, because he's going to, you know, we see this every single series with Harden. He mm-hmm. slows down over the course of the series, 
And, and I think as he slows down, that's where I'm more comfortable with him trying to shoot those step backs. Cause like last night we saw him and, and the step backs he was shooting weren't so much threats as much as they just felt like cop outs and I'm exhausted. So I'm just going to try to get this shot up at the rim. So this point about exhaustion is a huge one. I'm so glad you brought it up. This, if you watch the Rockets play, they are built on standing around. That is on both ends of the floor. They, by design, they stand in one place for yeah. most of the right? And on the defensive end, that manifests itself in switching, right? Even just when two offensive players come together, they mm-hmm. pretty much are going to switch everything as a result of that. And so what each individual player experiences in the process of that is a lot of standing around. There's nobody locking and trailing and sprinting to chase a shooter around a screen. They, they do not run much, right? Yeah. Like the physical act of running. Yeah. You and think so, that they're this, like they're, they, they're this. Right. Mike D'Antoni, seven seconds so or less. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they are very selective about it. And that the more this series has people running around, the better it is for us. The more it has people standing around, it's better for the Rockets. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's part of the reason, too, I advocate the chasing Harden off of the three-point line and, and funneling him and taking away his step back. Yeah. There's a progressive – it's not just the how well is he going to convert on a points-per-possession basis on this possession, but I want Harden running as yeah. much as possible. I want these dudes exhausted from banging on bigger guys – who are running fast as hell. Like it's exhausting to play against athletes. I think yeah. I have an appreciation for athleticism because I have none at all. <laughs> and so like guys who can fit, because I've been on courts with yeah. guys that I could not hang with. Yeah. Right. And like, I knew the game, I could outsmart them. If you got me in like this right set of circumstances, I, I could actually play a little bit. Right. Yeah. I could, but, but if you got me in a situation where I had to deal with an athlete, like, no, nah, <laughs> like it's, it's no, you know, like, <laughs> And so the like that guys, one that one player who like looked at the super tall guy and you're just like, what am I supposed to do here? You're right, like, what, what am I supposed to do with this? And it's not just that, it's what am I supposed to do over seven games? You're right. So there's a progressive yeah. you talk about the fatigue of Harden. There's a progressive element in the course of a series where like every time we run, even if we don't score off of it, it's a small victory. Every mm-hmm. time Dwight like makes somebody go, oof. Because he yeah. hit him with a with a little elbow or forearm in the chest is a small victory, and so I'll, my from a philosophical standpoint, I'm very much looking to outclass these guys on an athletic basis because that's where our biggest advantage is, and so I want all of our philosophies and mentalities to fit that we are going to wear these dudes down athletically over the course of a seven game series in a way. Like I think we're super vulnerable at the beginning of this series. This Lakers team is like yeah. a diesel engine, right? Like it, mm-hmm. we saw that in Portland. We saw that. Yeah. You had to fire yeah, it, it up just, and <laughs> just takes them a little while. Right. And, yeah. and Houston just played a couple of days ago and they mm-hmm. like, they're going to have some team specific stuff with us, but the Rockets part of what makes them them is they're going to do what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So even though they haven't had a ton of pr- time to prepare for us, I don't know how much that matters. So I think, game one is very much in danger but over the course of the series let's wear these guys down and really uh leverage our physical advantages really quickly before we throw to break i'll just ask the question or maybe we'll I'll, I'll ask the question and then this is what we'll talk about at the beginning and next uh segment uh bright uduji at enter energy writes uh what's the minimum number of threes taken and made the lakers have to average to keep up with houston i think that's an interesting one because and as boring as it sounds, I hate like minimizing basketball down to a math 
question because I, I hate sure. math. <laughs> I, I just, right. I'm not good at it. But, but, but Houston it, wants to make it a math game, exactly. right? If Houston wins this series, it's because they won the math of it, right? Right. So I let's mean, I suppose that's it, true of whomever, but they're literally going for the math of it. Mm-hmm. So let's take a quick second here and we'll talk about this is again, this is about balancing the Lakers identity with who they're playing against. And, and, and now in this case, one of their opponents is math. So we got to figure out what that might look like. Today's show is brought to you in part by Built Bar. Head on over to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDONNBA and save $10 off your first order. Uh, and, and not just your first, but your second and your third and your fourth and so on and so forth until uh, they run out of them again, just like we, we, we got them to last time. And, and you know what? There is no better statement than I or anybody else can actually make if you're, if you're trying to sell the product than just saying, hey, they literally ran out of bars the last time we worked with them because the bars are that good the deal is that great and they made it even better so long as supplies last by giving you a free cooler with purchase so look i've told you all about them they're super nutritious they're filling they taste great uh they they actually offer you a little bit of energy so long as you you know if you're looking for a little punch because your sugar levels are a little low whatever it might be they just take care of you and uh, we are looking to take care of them in the same ways that the bars take care of us so head on over to builtbar.com use promo code locked on you can get you'll get ten dollars off your next order and each order after that and then spread the word this is too good a, an offer and too great a product to keep to yourself so one more time builtbar.com use promo code locked on So again, as we talked about, this is about math. It, it really comes down to threes are literally worth more than twos. And uh, the Lakers either have to generate more shots to keep and get up more shots in general to keep up with the, the Rockets shooting three-pointers. Uh, but, you know, from, from, from the, you know, the easiest way to combat this math is to, to try to even out the literal number of threes that the Lakers are, are shooting here. So again, to kind of get back to where we started in this pod, how are you balancing what the Lakers strengths are compared to how they have to counterbalance the math of this matchup? So this is to answer his question in a very crude in way is 10. I think we have to make at least 10 threes mm-hmm. in most games to, to be able to win them. Um, the que- it becomes a question of where does the math work in our favor, right? And so the part of the advocacy of the two bigs approach on the offensive end, which I very much agree with, is the ability to crash boards and to get 30, 35% of the available shots. That And that's a lot, right? Like usually the average team defensive rebounds about every three out of four shots, right? Mm-hmm. So 75% is the normal defensive rebounding rate. 25% is the offensive rebounding rate. Um, we are, we should be shooting for 35% as a goal, even 40% in this Mm -hmm. series. And we can do that with like a two bigs approach. And so what that does from a math standpoint is it gets us more shot attempts, right? We can look at the box score at the end of the night and we took 98 shots compared to their 70 to to their 83, right? Mm -hmm. 16 more shot attempts. Yeah. Maybe they're more efficient. Maybe they're getting that extra point, but we've made it up because we get 16 more shot attempts and we make, 
seven of them. A couple of them are kick out threes, right? So, hey, that's what, 16 points mm -hmm. right there. That extra points and that they that can't. And that makes up for the, you know, 15, right. 16, 20 points that we lose on the, on the actual attempts at the three-point line. Right, or it at least bridges the gap between yeah. those two things. Then the place where both teams have some uh, real proficiency is at the free throw line, is the mm -hmm. ability to draw free throws uh, for different reasons. Now, so that becomes, are we able to, and this, a lot of times free throw shooting is a whether or not they can guard you stat. And so this is another reason why I'm pointing all of like our philosophies toward our physical dominance and the choices that we make to, to choose the options where we're more physically dominant. And this is where I start talking myself more into the too big approach. I just want to chase Harden off of the three-point line, even mm -hmm. if it's with two bigs. I'd love to argue with Cran just about it. But anyway, um, so the, the, um, that's where we can win the free throw battle, right, is by, like, they can't, they can't compete with us around the hoop. We're just so much better athletically. So what do you do with somebody, right? This is, goes back to the same thing of, of when I'd play that guy that I couldn't guard, like, go make two fucking free throws. Like, right. I'm not going to let you dunk on me, <laughs> you know, like if I can stop it. So uh -huh. what? and, but I can't actually stop you. So like, go make free, two free throws. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That's like the only thing I can do to stop that guy from doing that. And so that should be the attack and the real approach that we, we should look to be really physical, physically dominant, come out like hunters, you know, mm -hmm. and, and just trying to really like conquering horde overrunning the city. That's, that should be the mentality of the team. Yep. I agree. Uh, next question here. Actually, Cran just asked a question. I'd love to hear your perspective or hear perspective from both of you on the Rondo JR waiter situation. And, and if you go through the, the thread here of all the questions being asked, Rondo's pretty pervasive. Sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, it's he who shall not be named thus far in all of our, we've, uh, um, look, if playoff Rondo's a thing, now's the time to show it mm -hmm. for one. I also think it would be an extraordinary accomplishment by him taking my opinion of, of him as a player, anyone's opinion for anybody yeah. to go from it's been what, six months since he played a real basketball mm -hmm. game or close to it. It Maybe would have been March more. 11th. So by the time we start with this series tomorrow, it's almost six months. Yeah. And you're starting in the second round of the playoffs as your first competitive game. What yeah. an enormous against Russell Westbrook. <laughs> right. Against like, some physically right you don't want to so just from a getting up to speed standpoint that's a huge ask of rondo and i think so if he can do that great i think it's more likely what would be the outcome for most players is in a, a blowout in this series like get his feet wet get him some mm -hmm. run get him back up and running i i think that that is more of the function of this series as it pertains to rondo than full throttle participation. I mean, if he can do it great, because I do think that there is, there's value in having watching the playoffs again. Like there's some, there's so many memories coming back. And this is the first time, right. Since I've been covering it and my job has been to like really, really pay attention to mm -hmm. what's going on um, is there's value in guys who aren't scared of the moment 
for whatever reason. Like that is a real thing. It sounds yeah. like this narrative Dude, type thing. But like, watch Jake Eldis right. Alexander at the end of that. He game? was so nervous. He was, oh my and god, he's such a good player. He's such a good player. It's young guys. Young guys, especially. Yeah, they, they don't want to mess up. Like a guy like that, you know, mm-hmm. like they don't want like oh god, like everything. There, he shot this floater and he made it. I was crack. I was cracking up that whole game seven. I can't like <laughs> say all of the things that I thought <laughs> because some of them. Uh, might be controversial, but um, that was one thing. He shot this floater, and so guys like guys like him are—they really want to do their best. They really it, this means a lot to them. Mm-hmm. And but like all of, of course, they're nervous. It's his mm-hmm. first time, really. Like he was in the playoffs last year, but this is like a game seven. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this could go either way. And he was just trying not to screw it up, and. Mm-hmm. That that makes you tentative, right? Anyway, he shot this floater, and he was like twisting in the air, and like I saw the look on his face was hysterical. His eyes were huge, and he was like so locked in on that. Yeah. And he's like, "I'm gonna make this floater," and he held onto it a little bit. He concentrated real hard, and he made it, right? Yeah. But that was his like energy the whole game mm-hmm. was just like especially down the stretch. I've got, dude. This happened. This we we talk about Kobe and how clutch he was. Even Kobe, this is what happened to Kobe in game seven in 2010. Yeah. Kobe was so pumped, was so like, this is my time. Like everything right. in my life has been right. built up to this. It was just like, like so Chris like, Paul said before yesterday's game, I'm built for this. And then he's like, those, right. th- those three minutes, you were built for something else, bud. But that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's well intended, right? Mm-hmm. But in Kobe, in in the the way it goes bad for a guy like Kobe is different than the way it goes bad for a guy like SGA, right? Mm-hmm. In that, I mean, Kobe had his four air balls, right? That was another time where Kobe was shook. Right. Kobe was in his head. But the, it happened the same way as a rookie as it did in game 10 or game seven of 2010 for Kobe. In that, so Kobe has practiced every type of shot that anyone's ever shot. And it's been mm-hmm. hours and hours and hours on it and really believes in the work that he's put in and that the work that he's put in allows him to take any shot. At, like he knows he can make any shot and yeah. he's right about that right now. The difference between making it 20% of the time and making it 45% of the time matters, mm-hmm. but he's not wrong that any shot Kobe was capable of making it. And so Kobe took in Kobe thinking that this is my time. Everything has built up to this to play the Celtics, right? Yep. Kobe's like comes out way too intense and way right. too like taking these wild fadeaways and these shots that are like, yeah. bro, like just just swing the ball, you know, like <laughs> you are doing too much right yeah. now. And that's the type of that's the type of way that it would go go bad for Kobe. But anyway, the um Rondo is about it. That's mm-hmm. something that we've seen it, just mentality wise, these moments will not shake him. And mm-hmm. that is like the Lakers haven't played a game like that. Lakers haven't played a game where they're like kind of scared. It's like right. they're like, oh, we're down three two. I mean, Close hopefully we don't. Probably right? game like, hope- one, by the way. Right. And that's the thing is like how much after game one, it ain't the pressure of after a game five. Yeah, or games after a loss, right? Or maybe you t- it gets tied up, or you go down, and how you react to those moments really mattered. That's what bothered me about the Christmas Day game mm-hmm. was we like we got in our heads, and it was like, oh, we're making all these uncharacteristic mistakes mm-hmm. now because of that. And so, like, can we? We're so used to being the hunters that we don't like being hunted, 
And the personality of the team is when a team really comes after us. And that's why the Clippers have the best chance of beating us, not just because they're so good, but because they can really bring some heat and make mm-hmm. us feel like we're the ones being attacked yeah. in a way that I, I don't think that the Rockets can. Sorry, I've been, I've been talking. So, I'm really hyped up about this, man. I'm so excited. <laughs> I, I, I like it. I love it. Got the uh, I, I'm so happy. So I, also, it helps that we aren't recording yet at 11 o'clock. It, it, it probably helps. That's true. That's true. I've got energy. Yeah, good point. <laughs> but for, for my, you know, my, my thoughts on the, the Rondo JR thing, look, Waiters very clearly doesn't have Vogel's confidence. I, I think that's, the, you know, that's one of the things we were pretty easy to pick up over the course of that Blazers series. Uh, the Lakers do need a creator. Vogel probably thinks that creator is Rondo. Uh, if the Lakers are going to play those two big lineups and, you know, say they're, they, say they're playing a two big lineup with uh, AD and JaVale and LeBron is out, is, is not in the game. That's where Rondo makes a lot of sense. I think uh, just for, for his ability, uh, he can funnel guys. So he might get beat outright. So the difference between funneling and then getting beat outright is just right. what Rondo says he was trying to do there. <laughs> Um, so, so that's where, that's where I think it makes sense for him to play in those two big lineups. And then, you know, Jr. in theory is somebody who makes sense for, for some of these spots, but he's, he, he doesn't seem to have it. I, I wasn't really, uh, impressed with what he brought or what he's brought to this point. It's just like you said earlier for Rondo, he hasn't played a game in six months. Jr. Smith hadn't played a game in 18 right. months. <laughs> and he looks like somebody who hasn't played many games in the last yeah. any games in the last eighteen months. Yeah. And then and then you know you can say the same kind of thing about about waiters. So for all of these guys, mm-hmm. like the situation here sure. isn't one that lends itself to trying out some new stuff. And uh, I, I think I think basically, if the Lakers have to lean on any of those guys, I think they're in trouble. I, I think they they should have enough to get by to where like those guys are house money type type. Rules. Sure. Yeah, I've, I've wondered about that decision that Vogel made of uh, going with J.R. Smith over, over Waiters. And the more I've thought, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, Vogel's approaches and, and kind of wondering. I always try to think when, like, I have a, I have a ton of respect for him as, mm-hmm. as a coach and for what he's brought to the team and how prepared we've been. It's really, it's really a joy to cover a team, you know, that has a guy that's really, really good at this. Yeah. Um, so when he makes a decision where I'm like, that's not what I would have done. I'm like, I wonder what his argument is for it. Yeah. And in the case of JR over Dion, and I wonder if this applies to Rondo, I suspect it won't, but JR Smith is, I see good things on defense, right? Is he a good defender? No. no. He's a much better defender than Dion Waiters is. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a much better defender than Rondo is in my, from what I've mm-hmm. seen. Right. It doesn't and take much. That's well. That's the thing with bars are on the ground. The thing with Rondo is that he's not going to be afraid of the moment, and he can handle the ball. Those are two things that are going to be very important as the deeper we get into these playoffs, hopefully, right? Um, And so he, those are those are huge. But he needs to be able to defend, and that comes back to the. So when I whenever Vogel does something that I don't agree with, I think like what's his argument what's his Mm -hmm. side of it and i try to figure out where he would be coming from and the vast majority of the time the conclusion that i come to is is defense is like this guy because and and i get where it's coming from in the respect that 
like in order for defense to be good, if like four guys are playing really well and one guy is bad, your defense is below average at best. Right. It only takes one guy to screw it up. Mm-hmm. Now, does JR get lost? Absolutely. Are there times where he will rotate to the wrong guy? So there's two guys closing out to one guy, meaning the corner shooter is open or something like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. But relative to Dion and Rondo, but especially Dion in these circumstances in the bubble, that's the argument for it. And then the thought that eventually this dude's going to hit a shot. He is not like, he's obviously way out of rhythm, but like, yeah, that's still J.R. Smith in there at some level. Or is he just, and they have to care about him. Like they, like even if he doesn't make a shot, preferably he makes a shot, but like you can't have J.R. Smith out there on the court and then defensively just like not care about him. Great point. Um, let's answer one more here. This is a fun one. Uh, I just lost it. I was scrolling through where the question is. Uh, so basically the question is, oh, here it is. Uh, at Lakerholic89 writes, what game this series do Lakers fans freak out and assume the world is ending? You broke up throughout that question. So, I didn't so I'll answer question. it again. Or I'll ask it again. Um, at Lakerholic89 writes what game this series do laker fans freak out and and assume the world is ending so for me i i'm guessing <laughs> i'm guessing game one i'm guessing game game one, one game one uh 5 48 left in the first quarter lakers down yeah <laughs> 17 to 8 yeah or worse, call a timeout like, so, like, after giving up an uncontested Wing three to Eric Gordon. That's my parlay bet right there. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the perfect answer right there. Game one, quarter one, about midway midway through, and uh, PJ Tucker has just hit a three pointer from the corner to put them up like twenty eight or, or twenty to eight or something stupid like yes. that. Yes, Vogel is a terrible coach because he he started Javale McGee and yep. yeah, we're I'm, freaking I'm, out. I'm saying that. I'm That's, sick yeah, of Javale. Uh, the whole too uh-huh. big thing, Pete. Why did you what talk you me thinking? into this? Yes. What the? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing is I have thoroughly enjoyed the last few days because it's going to be the last part of this season that's not completely insane. Oh yeah, so it's I've, been I've so nice, this. like laughing yeah. at the Bucks and. Like giggling through Houston and OKC finishing the uh-huh. series by just check like these, check these guys down, right? Like falling and farting over each other. Benny Hill like, shit, yeah. <laughs> I was like, if I was a fan of either of those teams, I'd be sitting there having multiple heart attacks. But from where we're sitting, like, we just right. It's like, back. isn't this great? Isn't this so entertaining? <laughs> Could you imagine being a fan of? I was, oh my so god, I have, no! <laughs> I have a fondness. I have a fondness for Miami. Right. Yeah. I think that they're they're my second favorite team in the league. Mm-hmm. Just in like I love the Raptors. I really respect what they do. There are a few other teams like I really respect what they do. But just I vibe with Miami. Like Jimmy Butler is kind of like a one of a kind guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, there's all sorts of things. Like, but he's got his own. I love people with their own strong moral code that mm-hmm. they don't compromise on. And a lot of times that makes them a little bit weird, right? Mm-hmm. It makes them a little bit unusual as people, but mm-hmm. like they believe these things and they believe them for a reason. And they're going to hold you to that standard, which is very important to Butler, something mm-hmm. that he said. So anyway, just like Jimmy Butler is a classic dude. Are you saying me, right? you and Jimmy Butler are like this pointing Spider-Man meme? Is that what you... Oh, I mean, you, are you saying that that's what I'm bigger. like? Oh yeah, absolutely. You, you are oh. very principled. And it's a good thing, but you're very okay. principled. Thank you. I, I, 
I guess that is important to me because like, you know, that, you said that, I was like, oh, oh thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, felt, it felt nice. Um, I'm glad you see me that way. I try, yeah. I try to be. I'm um, less so. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you know. Um, so, yeah, so Riley, right? Like Riley is yeah. fruit from the same tree. Mm-hmm. It's got this like, like they're really good at what they do. They're like they have a core set of basketball beliefs that they really believe in. Riley mm-hmm. with strength and conditioning. Spolstra is like a grinder, you know, yeah. like he's a guy who worked up from the video room, right? Yep. Another that just got better and better at yeah, very similar. And um just they're like they're competent and they're cool. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I yeah. just dig I dig Miami. I so I'm rooting for Miami in this series. Mm-hmm. As a result of that, I was beside myself when they called that foul on Goran Dragic. Oh, my God. Yeah, me too. I was out in public, dude. I was screaming at TVs. I was a freaking weirdo. And then, like, Jimmy Butler had, like, thrown two, one of which got intercepted, another that barely didn't – or Butler threw at least one of them. There were a couple uh-huh. of passes that were like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, right. again, these are these big moment playoff situations where guys just, your brain goes on the fritz for a possession. Like, mm-hmm. it happens. They're human beings. And and so, like, yeah, Jimmy Butler threw that one pass and they had a timeout. I'm like, why aren't you calling a timeout? And yeah. I'm like super into the game. And I'm like, oh, like, I don't even really care about Miami. <laughs> just oh, wait. <laughs> like, what I need, please, basketball gods, is the Lakers to have one of those, like, just kick the crap out of everyone playoff runs mm-hmm. that comes along every 20 years or so or every about once a decade. One team yeah. will just, like, kick the crap out of everybody, right? With the way the rest of 2020 is gone, that would go so well <laughs> for my mental health. I'm not holding it's my not breath. It's not happening, but, dude. Oh, <laughs> damn it. I'm, just, I'm here to tell you. I will say this, though, like while we're talking about potential outcomes to the, the postseason, so with Milwaukee stumbling and with Toronto stumbling, we might be heading towards a Lakers-Celtics finals. I don't want to talk about the Celtics. I'm, I've been watching. I'm... I'm not I mean, emotionally it, prepared for it. I, I thought about it today in the shower and like, I, I you know, cause I was listening to Levitar. They were, t- they were gloating over I, the, uh, no, over, they were gloating over that, over that series and, and how they're up 2 0 on Milwaukee. And I was thinking to myself, I prefer to, I, I, I too really like Miami. Like I, I actually like them as an organization. They have like, they produce maybe probably the two best jerseys in the history of the sport. Like their their city edition uh, uniforms, those Vice City mm-hmm. uniforms, yep. are two of the nicest uniforms maybe ever. Like across, they're all cool sports. as hell. The, the whole their whole organization is cool as hell. Yeah, and so you know, I I would be rooting for Miami, and then I would want to play Miami in the finals just because I I want to see Boston lose every chance that is possible. But but we might be heading towards that that situation. Like that might we might be heading towards and like what. What would be, you know, while you were talking about 2020, as since we're kind of sort of on the topic, isn't, I, I, isn't 2020 the, the perfect kind of year? <laughs> he takes his headphones off. <laughs> and Pete just left. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Pete has departed, so... <laughs> Uh, I guess that's going to do it. 
for this episode of the Locked On Lakers podcast. Uh, last one before the Lakers kick off and 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 uh, get going on the second round matchup against Houston. Like I said at the beginning of it, first second round series that we have seen from the Lakers since 2012. Uh, so this is where it starts to get real, man. Just ask Toronto. Just ask Milwaukee. We'll see how things go for the Clippers tonight. Uh, but but this is where this is my favorite time of the year, where you have four really good teams on each side of of the conference bracket going up against each other pete is still walking i think he's fixing a sandwich now this is impressive uh but we are we are we are heading towards it so thank you guys a ton for all of the questions i'm gonna go ahead and uh bookmark that tweet so that if i have to over the weekend i can maybe or maybe not even over the weekend maybe for a tuesday show next week i'll answer those questions for you guys uh but for now have a great rest of your day great rest of your weekend make somebody else's stay safe out there and pete and i will talk to you tomorrow you get everything you needed hey pete